Hey guys, welcome to the Jungle Brothers podcast. Today, Paulie and myself are joined by Vic Hawksley. Vic is an old friend of ours uh, from the gym game and from the movement realm. He owns his own gym up on the North Shore of Sydney. It's called Anatomy in Motion. It's a boutique place and he's doing amazing things there, strength, mobility, movement. And that was what we wanted to talk to Vic about today. Um, we both operate similar businesses with a similar ethos in the same city, though being on the other side of the bridge, it's like he's on the other side of the planet. Um, however, we wanted to dive into that, his opinions and his views around developing strong mobile bodies that are capable of, of, of high movement capacity and have good body awareness. And so we had a really good discussion around that. Uh, if you're a coach who's coming up in the industry, if you're someone who's looking to improve your own movement, your own strength, I think you'll find a lot of great takeaways in this chat. Hope you enjoy it. Um, as always, if you do enjoy the show, please take a screenshot of it, post it, share it with a friend. It helps to support what we're doing. Thank you for listening. Enjoy this episode with Vic Hawksley. Hey guys, welcome to the Jungle Brothers podcast. I'm Joey and today, Paulie and our guest Vic Hawksley are all coming in from different sides of the internet. How are you, gents? Good. Thank you. Good. How are you, Joe? Mate, I'm good. Really good. It's, um, we're normally sitting next to each other when we do these things. So this is a, a, a novelty one for us. Um, Vic Hawksley, mate, you are an old friend of ours from the movement realm and the Sydney gym scene. And you live on the other side of the bridge, which is about 15 minutes away, but it's practically like another side of the planet because we, you know, we don't like, I can remember the last time you came to our gym was about 10 years ago and we've still <laughs> never been to your gym. Um, but been watching what you're doing. Uh, obviously, you know, um, or I've always had huge respect for you and seen a lot of similarities between what you, you know, your ethos and ours. So mate, it's great to catch up. Um, how you doing? Yeah, good, man. I mean, as good as we can be in, you know, given circumstances, I guess the weird times, um, but just rolling, rolling with it, you know, what's the, what is your situation now? Like obviously the gym is closed. How are you making things work with the current restrictions and whatnot? Obviously, we're just limited to doing one-on-ones. So we know kind of you know, right at the start uh, when they said it was going to be two weeks, you know, uh, we were like, yeah, okay. You know, kind of that's a, that's a great case scenario, but uh, we planned for the worst. So what we did was we kind of, you know, reached out to party planners and basically hired this massive marquee, right? A full-blown marquee, got it on the cheap and we were like, okay, we'll just kind of do, you know, what we can. And uh, that served us really well. You know, we basically kind of had that set up in the car park and then, you know, open air, uh, basically do one-on-ones out of there. And then we supplement that with, you know, four virtuals a week. So then, you know, we reach out to the people that obviously can't make it into the car park. Um, and that's also allowed us the opportunity to open our virtual doors to our wider community and family. So it's been, you know, as I said, we've been making the most of it. That's pretty cool, man. Uh, the car park is, is a part of the building that you're in. Correct. Yeah. So it's just at the back, you know, so kind of all the equipment and stuff is pretty straightforward. We had some uh, uh, spare gym mats lying around from the, the last rebuilds we went through last year. <laughs> so they came in handy. I'm glad I didn't throw them out. So they went straight into the uh, marquee and uh, we've got a little, I think it's 15 by three meter, you know, kind of marquee. And yeah, it's, it's a pretty awesome setup. Mate, well done. I, um, I, I, I go past a few gyms and stuff doing the the PT thing when they have that little bit of outdoor space and it's cool. Like if you have the, op if you can do it, it's such a great way to go about managing shit right now. 
Yeah, for sure. I mean, it just gives that a little bit of more of a you know, familiarity with the people coming in as well, right? It's like, you know, similar sort of area, you know, kind of, uh, and, uh, you know, in these weird times, that's like one consistent thing, you know, it's like, okay, I'm still kind of going to that one place, you know, kind of to move and train or whatever. Paulie touched on it before I hit the record button and I cut you guys off because I wanted to record it. But before COVID, you lost the roof to your gym. Yeah, freak accident, you know, kind of. Uh, so this happened literally on my birthday <laughs> last year. So I will never forget it. It was a beautiful present. Um, yeah, basically the, the lid of the, uh, the building basically kind of just opened up like a, a you know, can of tuna essentially. And uh, we were watered, you know, obviously uh, flooded and all that kind of stuff. And this was like basically about maybe four or five weeks prior to, you know, us all going into lockdown with COVID. So COVID wasn't a real thing just yet in people's minds. So our roof blew off. And by the end of the month, start of March, you know, kind of basically we were, you know, there was a toilet war saga and then there was shut down. <laughs> Holy shit, man. That was just wild weather, huh? Yeah, it was just crazy, you know, kind of, um, you know, no one could have seen it. It was just a, a wild thing, you know. But uh, as always, you know, in hindsight, it was preparing us for what, you know, was coming, right? You know, kind of, uh, so, you know, that was the, the silver lining, if you like, you know, I think we are an expert in changing business models on the fly. You know, every week we can come up with a new model. <laughs> I feel yeah. that one. <laughs> yeah, that adaptability is a real small business kind of characteristic, isn't it? Like being able to, to adapt. Yeah, for sure. So that, that didn't have anything to do with the bushfires, did it? Like any weather around that time? This was after the bushfires, just pre-COVID. Correct. So effectively, you know, um, I mean, the roof had nothing to do with the, the bushfires, I guess. But, you know, kind of, yeah, it was just a freak of nature. You know, gale force winds uh, that particular weekend. It just didn't stop raining sideways. You know, it was kind of just crazy. And um, yeah, for some weird reason, you know, air got a little bit underneath the, uh, the roof. And then obviously the rest is history that the whole thing came off. Uh, but it was just after the bushfires, yeah. You know, we had a huge tree fall down next to us as well because obviously everything had been dry and then suddenly this weekend, even though everything got wet and obviously with the wind, boom, you know, everything knocked around. Mother Nature was just like, I'm the boss. That's it. Remember it. <laughs> well, you bounced back um, in, in a great way and it looks like the gyms, um, you know, I can, I can see it in the background of this video call, but I've seen it online. Uh, it's more or less back into the place that you had it before. Yeah, that's right. So, I mean, as I said, you know, there's always silver lining, right? I mean, we'd been in the space nearly two years at this point before the roof blew off. And obviously we knew every nook and cranny, right? And um, so this, you know, effectively we had to do remodeling essentially and obviously, uh, uh, you know, get the whole thing built up again, you know? And that gave us the opportunity to kind of then, you know, use our experiences and make few, you know, modifications, few updates and stuff like that. And we used the opportunity to do that, you know? So we've got a little bit more space, you know, we're a little bit smarter, you know, with, how we use this small space even better. So yeah, as I said, you know, it was a blessing in disguise and yeah, we came back, you know, kind of looking a little bit different and doing the same thing. Thank God for insurance, huh? <laughs> yeah. I mean, this was a, you know, this was our insurance and then this was like the landlord's insurance. It was just, you know, there was so many insurance at play as well. I mean, it took quite some time to kind of, you know, everything to kind of work. Um, but as I said, you know, that COVID period, you know, we were in lockdown for, I don't know how long. So it took all of that time to get all this thing just in the background happening. 
So um, we didn't actually move back in the physical space till I believe end of August last year. Okay. Um, so yeah. And so uh, your gym is in Narrenburn, mm-hmm. uh, which is North Shore, just over the bridge for anyone that's obviously from this side of the bridge. Um, but can you give us a little, like, give us a little kind of understanding of how the gym works? Obviously I got a bit of a, you know, we have an impression, but for the listeners, like, how does it operate? Kind of how many people you got there? Are you running classes, PTs? What's that look like? Cool. So it's a little bit of a uh, weird system, you know, kind of um, a weird model, but, uh, you know, something that we've uh, come to love and this is the way we do things. Effectively, what we do is we do personalized training supplemented with group training. So everybody here at AIM has to do personalized training once per week at the bare minimum, right? So effectively what we say is, you know, once a week, rain, hell or shine, you're going to be working on the things you want to and you need to. And then obviously then we have, you know, group classes with different themes, different projects and so on that we can then either pick the frequency up from, you know, come and play and and start a new project or whatever it is. Uh, So we supplement group training essentially. Uh, So that's the kind of the rough way that we, you know, kind of works personalized training with uh, group training as supplementation. Is that personalized training done one-on-one or is it like a, a custom program and they all work in a class of people on different programs? Cool. So there's obviously, you know, the one-on-one model that we normally have, you know, kind of, uh, which is very limited. Uh, and then what we have is four-on-one. So we call it squad. So effectively it's, you know, four individuals in a space, four completely different programs according to their intent and context. Uh, and, you know, it's actually pretty hard it's harder than probably running a one-on-one session, right? Because you've got four individuals to manage essentially. So um, we call it squad, which is four-on-one. And then uh, our group training is limited to 12-on-one coach or uh, 16-on-two coaches. I like it. I like yeah. it a lot. So it's like, you know, and we have obviously cap on our membership. Our, you know, our space isn't designed uh, for, you know, the masses kind of thing. So, uh, you know, we never wanted to be the, 200, 200, you know, members gym kind of thing. You know, we've got yeah, very small capacity and we just want to keep things tight uh, and scale in a different way. Have you still got the AIM Silverback? Is he still training with you? Yeah, for sure. The Silverback, yes. And in fact, he is the one who has designed, redesigned this place twice, you know, oh. and basically project managed this gym. He's the one who created the space. Oh, wow. That's so cool. Yeah. So he was the first one who walked up these stairs, you know, and within, I'm, I'm thinking maybe three hours of being in this space, uh, you know, I haven't got a creative mind, you know, and within three hours, he sent me this drawings. He was like, okay, we can have these monkey bars going this way. I'm thinking maybe squat rack this way so you can keep open space. And I'm like, what the hell is happening here? I'm like, yeah, let's do that. <laughs> okay. uh, you know yeah. that guy, Paulie? You see him on Vic's Instagram? Yeah. For like years now. He's amazing. I love him. That's it. And I really, uh, I really liked that video you had of him where he, you'd obviously just taught him how to do a forward roll safely. And he flies off his, <laughs> he flies out of his like front porch onto the grass and like forward oh, rolls man. out into the footpath. Yeah, it was, in fact, it was a couple of years ago and uh, we had uh, Sean, I mean, obviously our mutual friend, right? Sean uh, from Newcastle. I forget his uh, second name now, but uh, Sean Wood, I think, uh, Mr. Ninja, right? And uh, he did a, uh, a parkour masterclass for us. And of course, like, you know, we had the, um, you know, bolting and things like that, you know, kind of involved. And the next thing I know, you know, I'm going to go say hi to Silverback and he's jumping out of his in-house. It's just crazy, you know, kind of. Uh, so no, it was pretty cool. <laughs> oh, that's cool. Man, uh, arming people with parkour tactics is probably more dangerous than teaching someone jujitsu submission techniques. It's like as soon as you teach someone like a forward roll or like a fucking wall climb or a vault or something, they just want to be practicing that shit. That's it. And it's solely because 
you know, unlike jujitsu, you don't need anybody else. <laughs> That's right. You fuck yourself up for free. <laughs> we actually, um, we were walking through the park the other night and I saw two, two young blokes, um, I don't know, teenagers playing with some parkour stuff. And I'm guessing they'd just been watching it on YouTube because they looked real tentative, but they were like scaling these handrails and like climbing down this little wall and stuff. And you could see like, I mean, it was kind of heavy, like the wall, the wall that they were climbing down was enough that if you fell, it would be, it would hurt, you know, it was two and a half meters or something. Um, but I thought that's fucking cool. Like, good on you guys. That's, you know, that's what, that's what it should be. You should be out there experimenting. And particularly at a time like this, when gyms are closed, it's like no better time to do it. Yeah, for sure. You know, I mean, I guess like, that's how kind of we started, you know, kind of doing things too, right? Or learning things. You know, we started to experiment with stuff that we thought was cool initially. And obviously then we were like, okay, let's take this a little bit deeper, right? I mean, that, that play is what sparks that curiosity, right? We, you know, we get, we inquire a lot more, you know, kind of uh, when we get, you know, like a little bit more into it. It's probably a good idea, uh, a good time to ask you about, um, you know, your, your background. Because uh, I, don't, I don't actually know, like um, we've, we've met many times, but I, I don't know, how did you, how did you get into a movement, exercise? Did you play footy when you were at school? I believe you went to boarding school. I remember you telling me that. Like, and then how did you get through to where you are today? Like kind of a bit of a background. Yeah, I guess I was exposed to a lot of uh, sports at boarding school. Um, but obviously after having left boarding school, like many, you know, late teenagers or I was uh, just driven by my primal instincts to just get swollen, swollen, you know, attract the ladies and, you know, basically pack the muscle on. So it was basically any shape of whatever looked like resistance training, you know, kind of, uh, so that was basically, you know, the start of everything, I guess. What's changed? Um, Nothing's changed, man. <laughs> that's it. All I'm saying right now is like, you know. I've still got the same thing, but I'm just trying to be a little bit more sophisticated in how I get swole. <laughs> <laughs> Very nice. Oh, that's cool. Uh, so then, okay. So did you continue playing sports after school? Uh, I had the opportunity to, but um, no, I didn't. I mean, long story short, essentially kind of, uh, uh, you know, I, I'd been, I, I was born and raised in Kat, uh, Kathmandu in Nepal. And then I got shipped to, you know, boarding school in, in the UK. So I nearly, never really had this opportunity to kind of live with my, my parents who, obviously, who lived in Dubai. So, uh, after, you know, after I finished school, I was like, hey, I, wanna, I, I want to be like a normal child. You know, I want to spend some time with my parents. So I decided mm -hmm. to kind of go and live with them in Dubai. You know, and uh, within a year, I was like, I don't want to be normal. <laughs> yeah. So then I kind of came back to UK and, you know, kind of did, you know, a few things and then um, eventually kind of, uh, you know, started training again. You know, I had a friend who used to take me to the gym and um, I was like, hey, I, I want to go a little bit deeper into this. I mean, I'm interested about this. So I think at the age of 20, you know, I kind of, I enrolled uh, at a, uh, like a training academy um, in London. And I basically kind of, you know, I borrowed some money from my parents. The only time I borrowed money and then packed up, you know, kind of and started studying in, in London. And, uh, you know, I was lucky to uh, get mentored pretty early on, uh, straight after, you know, PT school or whatever you want to call it. And then um, I've never looked back. Very cool. And um, how, how long ago did you arrive on the shores of Australia? Uh, I believe, oh, that's a good question. I believe it was 2000. I want to say 15, uh, middle of 2015, I think. Yeah. So good, you know, five, six years ago now. Yeah, cool. No, I didn't know all of that, uh, that history of yours, but um, a lot of moving around and yeah. um, you found your place here in Sydney and you're here with a young family. That's right. So obviously Sarah, my partner, my life partner, my business partner, my partner and everything. Um, 
she's uh, she's Australian, so obviously, you know, it was our time to come back here. And I didn't have any problems since I'm so used to moving around. And mm-hmm. the sole purpose of moving back here was to, you know, put some roots down and start a family. And that's exactly what we've done. We've got a beautiful three-year-old uh, daughter uh, named Kaya. And, uh, you know, we have AIM, you know, um, and, mm-hmm. you know, we have a tribe. That's cool. Um, Kaya's a cutie, by the way. Um, so when you, did you always live in the North Shore? And when you, um, did you start PTing in gyms around there? And um, what type of training were you doing in those early years in Australia? Because, you know, I know you, and if the listeners haven't seen you before, I mean, you're jacked, you're swole, and you've got some serious body weight skills, and you push some serious numbers um, with, with the weights. Like, how did that kind of little evolution happen once you established I'm here in Australia. I'm going to put down roots. Um, and then how did your training evolve to what it is today? Cool. So, I mean, you know, basically kind of when I landed in Australia, obviously I didn't have a, a job or anywhere to call home, you know, in terms of training, I'm obviously working. Mm. Uh, I was pretty lucky to have a few referrals from back in London, um, you know, a few clients, um, you know, there were also the reasons I also moved to North Shore. So, you know, the only other place I've, you know, I've always lived in North Shore since I've been in, in Australia. Right now, I'm in Willoughby, but before that, I was in Mossman. And uh, for those people who don't know Mossman, it is basically a retirement village. Pronounce Mosman. <laughs> okay, sorry. Yeah, I did not know if that's, that's how you pronounce it. There you go. Um, you know, basically this retirement not, village. You said, it, you said it right. I always hang shit on Mossman. <laughs> so this retirement village you know kind of uh where i had uh you know a few clients obviously who are well off and um you know who were willing to kind of train one-on-one with me and on based on you know referrals they had uh and you know these people are obviously well to do and these people's intentions weren't to get jacked and swole you know just to kind of move better and, and whatnot so basically i was really lucky to have a couple of one-on-one clients and i serviced them in parks you know, I walked, uh, worked under the, the Haller Bridge. Balmoral was, you know, my, my office for probably three, four years. You know, kind of, uh, so Balmoral is a beach for anybody who doesn't know. Um, so basically it was outdoors, you know, and it was effectively just all one-on-one. And in that time, I was also pretty lucky when I first got here, again, through referral, um, somebody, uh, a business, so outdoor, you know, group training business effectively, uh, you know, they were looking for somebody to come and coach for them or train people. And, um, you know, I met the guy and, you know, I was like, cool, you know, I'm happy to help out a couple of times a week. So that was really my first exposure to group training as well. And, you know, from what I'd heard and seen very briefly back in the UK, um, you know, group training had never been my jam because I'd always done one-on-one. I mean, you know, kind of, uh, so, you know, I didn't know how a typical group class when the only thing that I knew was like, okay, shit, that's something that you shouldn't be doing. You know? So I was trying to start to kind of put this thing, you know, kind of in my head where, hang on, you know, I'm not going to be doing all this wild stuff together because these people aren't prepared to do these wild stuff, you know, kind of. And, um, that's, I guess, kind of when I started to get exposed and, um, to, you know, group training. Um, and when I started to kind of, I guess, you know, uh, start to get ideas and, uh, the opportunities to carve my own path in terms of basically going, okay, well, you know, what do I want the group training to be? You know, kind of how can I, you know, do things my way uh, that is going to allow for us all to, you know, essentially excel in our own way. Um, so, yeah, so that was the kind of the, you know, the backstory of me arriving in Australia 
uh, everything was outdoors. Uh, I've only been in the physical space for, uh, you know, basically three years now, but obviously a year didn't happen. Uh, so two years, but, mm-hmm. um, you know, three to four years was all outdoors. With the, with the training you were doing uh, back in the UK, what was, like you, you said before when I was having the tech issues, it was about getting jacked and that kind of thing, standard kind of young man shit. But what was the, was it, um, is that where you started your barbell strength training? Was that a big focus then or was it body weight stuff? Nah, so it was, you know, like most, you know, kind of, uh, well, I'm not just going to say like most coaches, like, you know, like anybody starting in this realm, there are so much options, right? And uh, I don't know about you boys, but uh, I get distracted very, very easy, you know, kind of, and I like the big, you know, shiny objects very, very soon. So, you know, very early on, um, my own training looked very, very different in the sense that, you know, I was attracted by, oh, barbell training. I want to excel at that. You know, then I'd see somebody else, you know, first time do uh, ring training or muscle up. And I'd be like, well, how do you do that? You know, kind of, uh, uh, you know, I had a few friends who were into triathlons and endurance training, you know, so I was like, well, you know, I need to kind of dabble in this as well, you know, kind of. And uh, so there was just a bit of everything, you know, kind of. um, And uh, as you guys know, you know, when you stretch yourself in every direction, you never really excel on anything either, you know, kind of. uh, It was just more about a dabbling kind of thing. And I guess um, having a little bit of a knowledge in terms of, you know, kind of, you know, physiology and that sort of stuff and having just a, a small base of strength allowed me to kind of, you know, be able to dabble in multiple different things. Um, but it was exactly that. It was just dabbling, you know, kind of from things like, uh, you know, even jujitsu for that matter, you know, someone introduced me to jujitsu, you know, kind of, and I went by myself. I was the only one in the class and I was like, what the fuck is going on? This guy's telling me, teaching me how to shrimp, you know, and all this kind of thing, you know, I'm coming back home and Sarah's like, what what did he do <laughs> you know kind of i'm trying to explain it um i hugged this guy for 90 minutes and we sweat all over each other and i went we, to sleep it was fine and i'm not though. sure what he did to me <laughs> <laughs> i submit to him <laughs> um i know and uh, i guess kind of those pretty early on years were an opportunity for me if you like you know by accident definitely not by design but by accident you know being able to double double in multiple different things and um what that allowed me to do was kind of just started to kind of things, see things through different lens. I mean, this was only personally as well. Right. And as I said before, I was, you know, my main service was one-on-one and the people that I was working with weren't interested in this thing or, you know, this wasn't their way, you know? So I had to somehow distill this thing I was experiencing, you know, kind of, and, and trying to go a little bit deep into then trying to figure out a way to apply and implement it, you know, for them, you know, um, you know, auntie Dory, you know, doesn't want to lift, you know, 100 kilo deadlifts, right? But, you know, kind of uh, how can we get her to understand this concept of being able to hinge well, right? And being able to, you know, kind of challenge her in that way and stuff. But that's when I started to kind of piece things together, you know, kind of, and um, the fact that, I, you know, I was able to dabble in multiple different things kind of allowed me to start to see things slightly differently. That's a very interesting point you raise. I think... Um maybe also to a trap for a lot of ambitious young coaches whereby you're so into it that you're training multiple times a day, often, you know, five, six, seven days a week. And so you get a client, like you just mentioned, someone rolls in, they look at, they look at what you're doing. They think, Oh, I'd like to do some of that. And then you start dishing shit out to them. Like they're training just as much as you are. And it's only, I think with some time, isn't it? That you can recalibrate and go, Oh no, hang on. 
she can train three days a week for one hour each time, which is different to me. So I can thematically, we can, I can have her do the same stuff, but I, I have to sort of choose differently and be a bit more deliberate about what we work on. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you know, that was one of the biggest breakthrough, I think, you know, as a coach for me personally, you know, um, you know, I would go far as kind of, you know, with time, you know, as you boys will know, you'll start to kind of see these, you know, underlying things, you know, so even, you know, five different people with the same intention, you know, same goals, whatever you want to call it kind of thing, we can potentially go five different ways. In fact, we probably have to go five different ways, but it's the ability to be able to then articulate that, to be able to communicate that and get that buy-in, right? You know, you have people with different personalities and whatnot kind of thing, right? We have the go-getters, then we have the guys who are like us who get distracted very easily and get bored very easily. You know, how do we uh, retain their attention enough to educate them and to kind of, you know, enroll them in this process as opposed to, you know, those people who are just like, go hard or go home. It's like, whoa, you know, it's okay. You know, like we can back off a little bit here. No gains will be lost, you know, that sort of thing. And just being able to do this, you know, kind of uh, across the board, that's where the real art is, right? And that comes with time, you know, kind of, and, and through making mistakes, right? Um, obviously, you don't, you want to make sure those mistakes are not very costly. <laughs> so um, do you still consider yourself uh, the dabbler? Or, or how do you see that now? Um, I feel like when I, cause you know, I see all your stuff every week and I love it and I, it looks very much like you know who you are now and you've got like certain lanes and you seem to service all those lanes of movements pretty, pretty well. You've got to spread like, um, are you still the dabbler or, and how do you organize yourself? Yeah, cool. So this is something I kind of try tell like all, you know, the coaches and the team and stuff like that. The way I have evolved over time is like basically stop looking at things like a strict discipline or whatever kind of stuff. Of course they are, but you know, I'm more interested in being able to take the underlying principles and playing with that, you know, and then most importantly, being able to see if I can transfer those things across different modalities, if you like, you know, um, you know, Joey, I mean, you know, jujitsu, right. It's like, uh, you know, your body awareness, you know, kind of like, and, you know, things like that, that's the skill component, right? And then, you know, we have the physical attributes, you know, kind of most people, you know, get broken on the mats all the time that they aren't in a position to apply the skills they're being taught, right? You know, kind of, uh, you know, let's say handstands, for example, right? It's like, I don't know about your journey, but, uh, you know, mine was basically like, everybody telling me I had super tight shoulders, super restricts, I had to focus on flexibility first and build up and X, Y, Z kind of thing. Um, you know, same thing with strength training or body weight training and all these different types of training. Um, so I'm more interested in, I guess, kind of finding well, what's the most common thing, you know, kind of with all this stuff, you know, and what is the, effectively the language that, you know, kind of we tend to use around here is like, what's the underlying foundation, you know, kind of, you know, foundation comes before fundamentals. You know, we all know and talk about the fundamentals, right? The fundamental patterns and all this kind of stuff. Uh, but the problem is most people can't do the fundamentals, <laughs> right? You know, hey, we've got to push, pull, squat, hinge, and all this type of, type of stuff, which is essential. That's why it's fundamental. It's super important. You know, they're non-negotiable. But if it's causing you more grief and you're not able to grow within those things, you have to look at the things at a deeper level. Um, and effectively, this is why, you know, I'm more interested in kind of going, okay, well, what's the underlying principles, you know, kind of, um, so how to, to, you know, to spell that a little bit further, effectively, you know, um, 
Okay, well, how do I need to breathe in jiu-jitsu when I'm absolutely being dominated, right? Versus how am I going to focus on my breathing when I'm upside down? Or how am I going to breathe when I'm, I've got 150 kilos on my back? Or, you know, things like that. So, like, the breathing is the underlying thing. You know, my, uh, you know, we talked about hinging as a, as a, a minute ago with Auntie Dory, right? Effectively, like, you know, my awareness of, you know, being able to uh, control and obviously being mindful of my hip and spine integrity, you know, at what degree and like how much can I cope and things like that. You know, that's going to allow me to do certain things in different modalities. So I'm more interested in doing those kind of stuff and then being able to obviously then have fun, right? Then it's like infinite opportunities, right? So a lot of people think, you know, I train, I don't know, fucking hours and hours in a day. You know, I only do, you know, kind of maybe, two or three really big strength sessions a week, you know, kind of, and, it, and it also depends on what projects do I have on at the time, you know, kind of, uh, and I call them projects because, you know, it's never really I've arrived, you know, kind of, it's more so kind of like, okay, what, how do I refine this? How do I make this shit look good? You know, kind of like, that's my thinking, you know, I've been squatting for over, over a decade, right? And I'm still passionate about squatting now because I'm like, well, you know, my squatting has evolved over that time. You know, and that evolution didn't happen by accident. You know, it's like, well, how do I refine it? How do I make it better and whatnot? You know, I know I'm not going to be lifting a ton, you know, kind of not, I don't want to go to a powerlifting competition, whatever kind of stuff, but, you know, I'm still interested in kind of knowing as much as I can because then I can take that learning and then apply it, not just to myself, but also then, you know, other people that I choose to serve and lead. Um, so that's the kind of thinking, if you like, you know, so... I'm more interested in kind of the underlying stuff and being able to experiment those. So in that, in that way, it will seem like I'm a dabbler, you know, uh, body weight, strength training, you know, uh, whatever body weight training and, you know, external loading, whatever you want to call it kind of stuff. Um, but it, it's, it's with the intention. I hope yeah. that kind of answers the question. <laughs> yeah. yeah I, I get where you're, where you're going with it. Um, I wanted to know is uh, with the with the classes that you have and with the, the squads. I mean, you mentioned the squads are a bit more personalized, but with the classes that are supplements, um, do you organize? How do you organize a class? Like, what class do you have? Are you doing? Um, you know, is it feature so, principles? Like, oh, this one's body weight push pull. This one, like, yeah. How cool. does? So the yeah. label that we put on our classes is pretty straightforward. We have a get bent session, which is effectively get bent, right? So it's basically flexibility focus kind of thing, right? And then we have You're lift sessions. Cones. <laughs> then we have, <laughs> and then we have, you know, lift session, which is pretty self-explanatory. It's like, you know, kind of lift shit, <laughs> you know, kind of, uh, and then we have strength and movement sessions, which is effectively the upper body work, you know, kind of uh, work that's dedicated for upper body. Uh, and in between, we have few other sessions with, with label foundation, you know, uh, and then sometimes we have skill sessions and stuff like that. But effectively, those, you know, uh, three main sessions. And um, the way we program it is effectively, again, we same mentality, same way like I like to kind of, you know, train, which is we work on a project. So let's say programming could be a 12 week long and it could be focused on certain things. So let's say in strength and movement, it could be, hey guys, we're, we're looking to develop, um, you know, one arm chins and handstand pushups for lack of a better word, right? And we see no one here is working on those two things directly. However, that's the end in mind. Where are you on that journey? Oh, you haven't got a chin? That's cool. <laughs> Guess what? Let's start there for you. And that's, that's what the class will entail for them. So the right progression for the right person, you know, the right context, essentially. Obviously, that then allows us to then, you know, excel people or meet people at where they're at a lot better. So, you know, the way we structure sessions is effectively, uh, you know, we warm up as a team, you know, kind of we have the intent laid down. And then 
as the session goes through, everybody sort of kind of understands their own personal context and they're guided a lot, you know, uh, simpler, you know, kind of in order to kind of do and push to their uh, context essentially. Um, so yeah, that's how we structure the, the classes. And of course, that's, that's a lot simple to do coming on back of things like the squad and the one-on-ones because, you know, we know them personally, they know their limitations and their intentions and where they're going to be pushing or pulling back and stuff like that. So it makes kind of directing people uh, a lot simpler, you know, kind of, um, does that make sense? Yeah, 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 it does. It does. Um, so it is, a, it's, a, it's the same philosophy that you've got with yourself kind of transfers into the classes. Um, mm. So you're effectively, you're, the way that you've trained and you've learned has transferred into how you've built your business and how you kind of plan the training around there. Yeah, perfect. So, you know, three things we kind of like, and this is again going to the coaches and the team kind of thing, uh, you know, the big goal, the end in mind is to be able to lead ourselves powerfully and, you know, others would choose to love and, you know, obviously serve. But the first thing, the first step in that is basically being able to, you know, walk the walk. Right. So effectively, you know, everything that I've done, you know, kind of through my own experience and my knowledge, and that's why it's a continuous journey. Right. Because the second part of that is from your knowledge, from your experience, you're going to be able to carve your path a lot better. And that's what effectively, you know, aim is, you know, it's that carving our own path. It's just the same way you boys have designed, you know, kind of JBs, right. It's on the values and the ethos that you obviously, you know, kind of, uh, you know, you uphold even when you're not there, you know, kind of like, um, and it's also something that, you know, other people can come and contribute to as well, you know, because um, effectively, as I said, you know, the end goal is to be able to lead ourselves powerfully. And for us, um, the way we've designed this, you know, kind of the way I aim with the squad and, and, and the training that we do uh, is effectively, okay, you know, everybody needs to focus on themselves to personally and physically develop themselves. But then there's also this amazing thing that comes from this community, this tribe, right? This kind of collective piece. So can we give them a bit of both? You know, can we, can we make some time and space where they can focus on themselves? And then can we also give them some time to then, come, you know, uh, come together and contribute to each other's growth? Because um, that's something that I never had, you know, kind of. Can you tell me um, one of the things I think about when I look at your, your training uh, and, you know, this is all through social media is you, you've often, in, and I don't know if you do it a lot now, but you used to superset a lot of mobility and heavy strength work. And I remember vividly you doing a really heavy deadlift for reps and then going and doing your back bridge. And, and I think like, that's, like that is so cool. Like that, that kind of, that combination of movements in the one workout really speaks to the whole sort of ethos of, you know, what you and, and us what we value in, in training, right? Where it's like the ability to do everything and it's not like you're, you're trying your best not to be linear about it. Um, can you talk a little bit on that sort of less conventional approach to developing strength and mobility? Mm. Okay. Uh, 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 uh. I mean, there are different ways we can go about it. I mean, the most simplest way, I'll, I'll just speak about it as if, you know, kind of I talk, uh, I talk about this with everybody who walks through the doors of AIM, you know, no matter what their experience and stuff is, the first thing in anything is being aware, you know, kind of, and, and, you know, in this case, if we put strength is the end goal, um, you know, the conventional way is effectively just training, right? You know, there's plenty of literature out there. There's plenty of programs out there that will get us, you know, swole, jacked or whatever. If you follow from A to B to C and things like that, what it doesn't count for is obviously, you know, kind of, um, you know, who that individual is, you know, their life context, you know, their learning abilities, you know, kind of, 
you know, you boys have young families. I'm not sure if you guys train as much, you know, kind of since I've had Kaya, I haven't been doing jujitsu, like, you know, kind of like, or being able to train the way I was doing. So everything has had to evolve. Um, so the thinking behind, you know, kind of training for me is uh, effectively, you know, well, what's the end in mind? And, uh, you know, what's the, what's the best way that I'm going to hit multiple different, you know, um, modalities, right? I want to say modalities, multiple different goals that I have. So as I say, you know, strong, bendy and skillful, right? You know, or, you know, strong, supple and savage, right? Whatever you want to call it. Uh, effectively, you know, kind of if that's the, that's the goal, then, you know, whatever I'm going to do has to complement, you know, kind of, you know, one of those things at least. So when I go into a session, that's what I have in mind, you know, kind of like, am I moving towards the project or the goal that I have, you know, kind of, is this going to make me stronger? If so, in what way can I transfer this to anywhere else? Um, and obviously, you know, there are sessions where I want to see, you know, can I marry the both together, the suppleness and the, you know, kind of strength together. Um, so, you know, uh, again, you know, what we see in social media is not always true. <laughs> surprise, surprise, you know, kind of in terms of the way I train myself, you know, the intensity, the things that I put together for myself is not how I would train or coach somebody else, you know, because their context is completely different. The underlying principle is the same thing. You know, yes, we still want to be supple. We still want to dedicate time to get stronger. We still want to, you know, so for me, for myself personally, you know, kind of, um, you know, we can use the word unconventional kind of thing. Uh, there are, you know, a thousand different ways to skin a cat, you know, kind of. So to me, you know, I want to be hitting full body, you know, kind of pretty much every session that I go into. So whether it's an upper body strength session, I will do something for my lower body. It just doesn't look like a barbell or resistance kind of thing. I will do, you know, as we talked about flexibility, mobility, whatever you want to call it, or even kind of locomotion type of work, you know. Uh, if I'm doing uh, upper body work, sorry, uh, if I'm doing lower body strength work, then I'm very clear on, okay, well, what stress, you know, kind of I'm going to be putting, what's the intent behind this and, you know, how much bandwidth do I have to then, you know, go do something else. And that sort of dictates the flow, you know, kind of, of how I structure things. Um, and again, that's, a, that's an evolution, you know, kind of. Um, yeah, mate, I, I like it. Uh, and it's, yeah. Um it's tough. Hey, when you're like into a lot of different things, I'm, I'm similar, you know, and it's always been a thing for a, a gym like yours and ours. Um, we, we subscribe to, you know, body like not one narrow, uh, practice of training. It's body weight training, it's mobility, it's a little bit of fighting stuff and there's lifting and stuff like that skill bit. So it's difficult to organize. Um, and I don't know, there's, there's definitely, as you said, there's, there's not one solution. You have to meet the individuals where they're at and often we're changing it depending on how our tribe evolves and what we think that they need more of this year. Um, so yeah, it's a difficult thing. You know, your, um, your kind of freestyle freedom expression sessions. famous. <laughs> The tantrum and, sessions. The, the, the ones where you, you, you obviously got the gym on your own, or maybe there's 20 people around off camera, but it's like a bit of Drake or some, some big trap beat. And then you basically, you sort of dance, locomotion, chin up, like all in one. Do you have space for that in the classes or what? <laughs> uh, that's strictly forbidden. Uh, no. <laughs> <laughs> Only when no one's looking. Oh. So, you know, they're, they're basically like my, more like a down reg session kind of thing, I guess, you know, uh, 
as you said, you know, they're more, you know, I put them as, I call them tantrum sessions. So effectively what I actually do is, you know, make sure that no one is in the space. I lock the doors and then, you know, whatever I'm vibing to at the time that week, that's sort of kind of music, that genre, then that will go on blast, full blast. And then basically I'll try to come up with shit, you know, that I've been inspired. I've seen somebody else do or work on things that, you know, I'm curious about, um, but that little space, that way of, you know, you call it like freedom of expression, whatever, you know, uh, it's a really important part, you know, of uh, my training practice, whatever you want to call it. Uh, and the reason for that is because, uh, you know, Joey, to answer your question from earlier on, like it is unconventional, you know, like I'm not thinking about being technical and da da da. I'm not thinking about reps and sets, the normal kind of way, the normal jargon, you know, this is more so like, you know, going on the field, being a little more intuitive kind of stuff. And I guess this is that skill components, you know, this is that becoming the savage component that I see myself, you know, kind of, uh, being drawn to, and also, you know, uh, wanting to coach other people into, you know, what I mean by that is, you know, attributes such as strength, flexibility, um, power, you know, all this kind of stuff, right? It's pretty straightforward, you know, like, you know, we know we can put the stress in the body, you know, kind of give the stimulus, people can go and create the right environments and they will kind of basically thrive, right? However, putting all those attributes together, being able to use it in different scenarios, different contexts, you know, kind of in different ways, I mean, that's, you know, kind of what people uh, don't have the opportunity to do so. You know, this is why, you know, we are so heavily focused in this concept of play, just like you guys are, you know, kind of, we use play with so many different intents, you know, we do it at the start of the session, first thing in the morning, or you know, last thing in the evening, it changes people's state, right? They fucking forget they've just woken up or what they've had to do all day or whatever. They get to see what's in front of them. You know, there is no like right or wrong. There's like, you know, no slow thinking, you know, there's just reaction, you know, kind of, and eventually over time, it becomes a more of a responsive thing, right? You, you move and you gel in a completely different way um obviously that's more of an unstructured work right the reality is you know unstructured work is not going to complement the structured work right or people at least will not see it that way you know no one fucking one rm's their back squat juggling right you know kind of like you know things like that right however like this 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 different entity you know kind of where we continue to kind of work towards being able to express itself, you know, better be aware of ourselves in and through space, that notion, that little skill, that attribute in itself can be translated into anything. You know, like we talked about having that strong base and this is effectively what, you know, we do as coaches, as businesses, you know, we arm, you know, people with the ability, you know, with the strength, you know, with being able to bend this way and things like that, but to coach them and, you know, teach them to have this, ownership of themselves you know kind of this awareness and this ownership of them being able to do you know and use their stuff you know um that doesn't happen overnight and that's the that's the unconventional side of things right so you have to figure a way out where a it becomes like the norm right you know kind of uh you know i don't see anybody else playing you know kind of like you know there aren't many other gyms you know apart from like yours and ours you know and things like that where you know playing and you know touching each other you know kind of like it's a big no-no in everywhere else right you know kind of and to me that's like it's just fucking crazy you know there's so much opportunity in terms of uh you know individuals contributing right you know kind of and also you know actually learning and we call it the soft skills right but things like you know uh you know if if somebody's a savage you know kind of at a handball 
right? And they're playing with fucking Auntie Dory again, bless her, right? Who can't move as much. She's probably got, hasn't got hand-eye coordination. Like, you know, Savage Joe is not going to be smacking it through, right? It's going to have to come down to her level to create opportunities for her to be engaging and stuff like that. And, you know, that's like, I know it's not training, but that's the unconventional side of things of like how we develop as humans, right? It's like a little bit of empathy, I guess, right? You know, kind of then, you know, and understanding that and taking that into our training, you know, like, okay, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm training hard and X, Y, Z, but it's okay, you know, kind of uh, if I have to back off a little bit or the other way around, you know, kind of, hey, Auntie Dory, it's okay to push, you know, push yourself a little bit, you know? So these are the little emotions or whatever kind of thing, this awareness, you know, kind of um, this ownership uh, that, you know, kind of uh, these, you know, these tantrum sessions kind of give me personally. And then that obviously then trickles down to, you know, how I coach and things like that as well, right? Uh, you know, it was a big deal for me to kind of, you know, put myself, you know, moving weirdly, as you say, like dancing or whatever kind of stuff, doing weird shit, right? But once it's out there, it's out there, right? You know, kind of, uh, and then you're like, okay, I'm going to own this shit. <laughs> <laughs> well, the clubs are closed, so you need to have those, those sessions, you know what I mean? You know, I don't know if Savage Joe would, uh, would give Auntie Doria a, a break. He'd just rain bombs on her. Mate, oh. you can't stand the heat, get the fuck out. <laughs> <laughs> no free passes where I'm coming from, lady. <laughs> oh, that's What's hilarious. Uh, oh, what was I going to, what was I going to ask you? Oh yeah. So with these kind of more macro level views, right? Like what, what you're talking about intention and context and um, looking at the, looking at the underlying themes within a, a different practices and sort of seeing it for that. These are obviously um, lar like large scale concepts that I would say only really come to you when you've been in this game for a long time. Right. Mm -hmm. you, you know, we all went through that same thing where it's like you first get into training and you just want to get bigger pecs. And then slowly over time, you go from just wanting to grow bigger muscles to expanding your awareness and understanding to, you know, to go wherever you want. Right. But you, you slowly kind of, I guess your, it's like your perspective widens. Um, my question for you is how, how heavy are you on people when they come into your space? Because as we know, when someone comes in, you have to meet them where they're at. You got to talk to them at that level. Hmm. So how heavy are you on those macro concepts? Do you, do you bring people in and kind of go towards those macro concepts down the track or do you just go fuck it i'm gonna drop this bomb on you right now and it's like sink or swim cool yeah, that's a really good question i guess kind of you know again through trial and error and obviously through a little bit of experience now we've kind of formulated that you know effectively we have four underlying principles that we effectively teach you know kind of uh everybody who walks through the aim, you know, doors of aim and the beautiful thing about this principle is that you know we can step sideways if it doesn't quite gel with the individual Right. But if people get it, then it's also pretty simple to then expedite the journey. Right. And these four, you know, kind of simple principles that uh, we share, you know, as part of uh, what we consider our foundation program is pretty straightforward. You know, we talked about the hip and spine integrity. So somebody's ability to hinge the hips. Right. You know, we want to work towards being able to, you know, being able to hinge the hips because it's going to have a huge impact, not just in the four walls of the gym, but also outside their lives. Right. You know, of course, you know, we don't teach them to deadlift, you know, kind of in the first whatever kind of stuff, but being able to hinge and, you know, we can do that multiple different ways. Being able to breathe, you know, kind of a lot of people don't understand how to breathe. And obviously in the context of gym environments, we're more interested in kind of the bracing side of things, right? So again, 
if the underlying principle is teach somebody how to breathe and they have, you know, okay mechanics, then we can go straight into teaching them the concept of how to brace, you know, without loading them up, you know, choosing movements that is going to challenge the coordination, their awareness, and also the ability, right? Uh, then we have the shoulder stability, as you boys know, for upper body strength, you know, being able to be strong in wide ranges of motion from the shoulders is super important. But how we stabilize the shoulders is also kind of, you know, slightly different in each positions, right? So we get to, you know, explore that avenue, things like the hanging variations, plank variations, all this kind of stuff. You know, it's pretty straightforward. Um, but if someone doesn't quite get it, then it's also easy to regress things, right? Then the uh, fourth and last one is, you know, single leg work. You know, so of course, you know, we can, as I mentioned before, the fundamental patterns like the hinge and squat. Um, you know, a lot of people, you know, I love squatting, you know, as you probably could tell, uh, but, you know, we don't teach people how to, squat you know kind of uh, meaning like back squat uh aim very often you know kind of for probably 90 percent of the tribe like we don't go to the back squat you know kind of anytime within the first six to eight months right we're more interested in developing you know single leg work you know can you actually stand on one leg all right can you start to control a little bit of a hinging motion in that single leg okay more of a knee dominant you know and then start to kind of you know effectively we say you know can they you know and all of these you know four underlying principles we tie them into three knee categories, which is like, you know, pattern, which is their awareness. Can you execute this movement with, you know, being able to breathe and also hinging and balancing one leg, right? It's like the underlying principle, you know? Um, uh, and then you have the, uh, the stability, right? It's like, can you actually control this? If we gave you something else, you know, can you not let that muck you up a little bit, right? Can you actually resist this? Because the third and last, right? Strength, that's the easy part. It's like, do more than you did last week, go harder, you know, like do more reps, do more sets. That's the fucking easy part. But if you're not, you know, aware or in control, you got no fucking business trying to fucking, you know, outdo the weight or whatever it is. Right. Um, so that's the kind of general path that we'd like to take everybody in. And the sweet thing, as I said, is like, you know, we can take both, you know, Savage Joe or Auntie Dory through both same process, but it will look and it can be molded into what they need and want. Right. And so that gives us the ability to, you know, a uh, learn more about the individual in terms of how do they learn? What is their physical context, you know, kind of uh, and how intelligent are they in terms of, you know, can they coordinate their body? Right. Uh, but most importantly, now we're starting to speak the same language. Right. You know, kind of we also kind of give this, you know, this time and space allows them to kind of see how is it that aim actually works? Because there are other moving parts like the tribe sessions. Right. We talked about hey, we play, we touch each other, you know, kind of like, you know, it, this is not a, hey, set time ago sort of thing. It's like, you got to talk to somebody, you know, you're probably going to be responsible for another human being, you know, kind of, and, and guess what? That another human being is probably going to give you feedback. Can you take the feedback? Can you give feedback? All this elements kind of thing. So within this kind of, you know, first four to five weeks, four to six weeks, you know, we sort of kind of know whether aim is their thing or aim is not their thing, you know, and it's cool if it isn't, you know, kind of uh, most people kind of, uh, find that, oh shit, this is completely different. You know, it's not just simple training. So this allows us to, Joe, to answer your question, allows us to take that macro view and, you know, take the most important bits and start to instill it right from the start. Because of course, over time, we want to refine and push and challenge and be able to take sideways and, and all this kind of stuff. Talk to me on the idea of training for aesthetics and, and looking good, right? We talked about it, you know, it's obviously at the heart of, of the, the beginning of the training journey. And then as you get further into it, um, 
perspectives widen. However, it's it's kind of always a, a part, right? Fuck yeah. Um, what, how do you how do you you know how do you view that? Because I guess I should preface this this question with um, you know we come from you know we've had a large amount of exposure to the movement culture, and the movement culture is like a whole bunch of people that look really good but never talk about it, right? <laughs> <laughs> Bouncing tennis balls and yeah, they're doing doing amazing things, right? And but it's I I I've, I say that with a with a with a large hint of irony because I think that like the aesthetic part is never addressed or recognized in the movement culture, even though it's so obviously a part of it. Um, and at our gym, it's obviously a big thing. You know, we got Swole Fridays where it's like a bodybuilding session. You know, and, and we got no problem with saying like your body should totally represent all of the hard work that it does week in and week out. Sure. What's your What's your view on that? Well, I think I'm about to start by saying kind of, you know, everybody is lying if they say they don't want to look good naked, right? I mean, as I said, it's the primal thing that still drives me, right? I'm, I'm not getting the honeys anymore. I never did, right? But I, I want to work, I want to do everything that I can to look good, right? And obviously my training is going to be a reflection of that. Now, when we strip things back, right? Let's kind of look at it from two different views, you know, the, the traditional way, right? You know, kind of the uh, was it the science-based approach, right? It's like, you know, you got to eat rat and you got to train rat, you know, kind of, and you're going to do, you know, this rep range and this, you know, all this kind of stuff. And clearly that shit works, right? You know, kind of, there are a lot of people fucking who look ridiculously good, but we also know those people probably don't move as well as they want to, right? And more importantly, they're probably not prepared, you know, kind of, or setting themselves up for the future, right? You know, being stiff, tight, you know, probably in the name of, looking good uh the body's not feeling so good i don't know I, mean, I could be you know generalizing here then obviously we have the other spectrum you know kind of uh as you said you know the, the movement scene if you like and uh, i don't know about you joe but um you know i've never really been immersed into the the movement culture you know quote unquote that kind of thing but you know from what i've heard you know the you know, you got to train certain hours a day, multiple times a week, all this kind of stuff, right? You know, and you got to be in the practice. And if you want to take things to the next level, probably grow a man bun, you know, and like all this kind of stuff, right? Um, you know, all jokes aside, I mean, they're physically moving so much, right? And uh, as a byproduct, you know, they will obviously not only be moving well, they, they, they look good too, right? Um, now, those are the two things. Now, when we look at the people that we choose to serve, they fit neither of those things, right? They don't have five, six hours a day to train on a daily basis, right? They can't sustain it. They will, it's, in fact, it's not even in the equation, right? And then they're not interested in this, you know, kind of like I'm going to train and, and diet, count macros, all this kind of stuff, right? And of course, I'm not saying either of those things are wrong. You know, each their own. There are people who are willing to, you know, if they're serious about it, they will kind of do that. Um, the way I view it is, you know, kind of, okay, what is the best way to hit, you know, two of those things, you know, how can we uh, get people moving and give their body the right stress and, you know, kind of the stimulus for them to be able to, you know, effectively be leaner. All right. You know, kind of, and obviously that means coming back to the project thinking, you know, lift, for instance, you know, there's like lift for strength and there's lift for swole, you know, kind of, and Hey, we can consolidate those things, you know, kind of, and, and put a project there. Then obviously there's this continuous, okay, are we actually moving well, you know, kind of, uh, and looking at a different spectrum essentially. Um, so that's how kind of, you know, I manage things personally for myself as well as, you know, the AIM tribe effectively. So we look at the both realm essentially, but it's really important, you know, um, Paul, as you were saying, you know, it, it feels 
we're being stretched or we, we're drawn to so many different things. So sometimes it feels hard, but when you come down to think about it, it's not really when you know these underlying things, right? So looking good naked is definitely one of the priorities. So, you know, like throughout our programming, throughout the work that we're, you know, undertaking or doing or implementing, um, you know, there needs to be that stress coming in, but in the right way, you know, in the right dosages that also then needs to complement, right? The other stuff that we want to do, which is this, you know, the movement side of things. So what I mean by that is, you know, um, to give you an example, you know, we can have uh, our last block before we went to COVID was, you know, our whole 16 week was designed around lifting, right? And, you know, the sole intent of that 16 week was to be strong, you know, kind of get stronger. So obviously we have testing at the start then testing at the end, right? Uh, but, you know, eight weeks of that was more kind of around, okay, we're going to refine technique, so patterning, and then we're going to build volume to prepare our bodies. Then the final eight weeks, then we can start to put the numbers in. And obviously, you know, depending on the individuals, we can get stronger, right? Results, surprise, surprise, 16 weeks of consistency. You went from this to this great stuff. Now in the same boat, it does not make sense in strength and movement session to be doing, you know, Hey, we're going to be also working on one arm chains and handstand pushups. And guess what? We're going to be doing, putting that head to toe, that sort of thing. You know, like there are so many competing demands coming in, you know, okay. We're very, very clear. Strength is the priority. Right. You know, so all the other work that we're going to do is going to be done in a way that complements that strength, not takes away. You know, that means, okay, let's get back to doing the basics in the strength movement sessions. Let's go back to breaking techniques down. Let's lay the foundation down. Let's do those things. We never really had the opportunity when we're pushing the, you know, out of capacity. Right. Then what happens then is we flip things. Right. So now strength and movement becomes the priority for 16 weeks or whatever it is. And the lift is more of a consolidation. Right. When I say consolidation, it's like, you know, as you guys know, you know, you started here, you put the work in, you go up there and people go, I've arrived, you know, and then they just don't do fucking everything or the other side. They think, okay, now I'm here. This is my new base. I can go straight to the new place. That is a sure recipe for breaking down. So we call it like consolidation. We want to make this new normal, right? In order to do that, it doesn't mean go harder, right? Well, we need to understand what, you know, kind of how can we best maintain this? How can we sustain it? Now, as we do that, as we kind of create some time and space to do that, like we can then look at other attributes that we can look to develop or kind of dive into a little bit. So to answer your question, you know, effectively that, you know, the aesthetic side of things, you know, we effectively, you know, if you look at a macro level, it's almost like split training, <laughs> you know, it's like lower body for 16 weeks, <laughs> you know, upper body for 16 weeks. I mean, we're also doing other work in between, but things that are complementing, right? Does that answer your question? It does. It does. And I, I, it's, I find it a refreshing perspective because I think I, you know, I was, I very much got into the movement thing for a while there. And I probably took that opinion of like, you know, aesthetics is not important. Like I, I just drank the Kool-Aid and then now as I've, as I've sort of really kind of settled on my own views and stuff around training and, and physical development, I'm like, no, that shit's just so important, you know? And, and, you know, you, you keep throwing out this word context. It's like for some people, like, what they might need at a given time is just to put on a bit more muscle, lose a bit of body fat. And that's great. That, that, that's a really good result for you, you know, right now. Or for some people, it might be, hey, let's develop some coordination or some flexibility. But it's like having the ability to, to take your words to kind of step sideways and go, oh, you know what? I think this is the thing for you right now. And, mm. and it's, all, it's all evolving, right, for each individual. Yeah. You know, what we found really helpful there, Joe, just to kind of expand on that a little bit, you know, kind of is, you know, we called it like testing, right? I don't like the word testing, but like, you know, benchmarks or collecting information, like, you know, every 16 weeks, you know, we, you know, there is 
basically, you know, four things effectively we can, you know, benchmark on things on, right? There's like your flexibility, then there's your strength, you know, kind of, and there's your, you know, DEX scan, right? There's your body composition, right? Those three things are the main, those three key areas. So your strength, your flexibility, and your body composition effectively, like that's the forefront of, you know, what we kind of try, you know, uh, advocate, right? The fourth and last one is fitness. And let's be frank, you know, like we're not fitness to typical, you know, fitness realm kind of thing, right? We're not doing wads and like, we're not looking to cardiovascular develop people. I'm not saying that's not important, right? You know, kind of with all the other things that we kind of tend to do, uh, that just doesn't happen to be our thing, you know, kind of, so we are more interested in, okay, you know, can we get strong? You know, can we get bendy? And then, you know, like, how do we look? You know, like, you know, we collect information four times a year, you know, like numbers don't lie. You know, what's your body composition, you know? And again, it's not that we're married to those numbers, but it's just to collect information to see, hey, when you were lifting and lifting super heavy, like probably that's going to have a different impact in your, you know, kind of morphology than, you know, when you're just working on the upper body strength, right? And it's okay. For that reason, it may say different numbers. But then that's, again, given the ownership, given the education, you know, that sort of stuff, then again, people can, you know, we can better help people, right? Um, so again, that looking good naked is, is, is a huge thing. You know, it's a really, really important thing. Um, another thing that I just wanted to say was, you know, we talked about the different levels, you know, kind of the, the aesthetics, you know, the science, the science-based approach, and then there's the, the movement side of things. One of the underlying things in both of these, you know, kind of uh, is obviously, you know, what they eat, right? And also how much they move. And then when we bring it back to this middle ground, you know, you, you know our day-to-day -day people that, you know, we love and obviously kind of, you know, uh, serve, like how is it we can get them to move a little bit more, right? Not just when they're in the session. So like, how do we create those opportunities? Now, you know, as I said, we're not into, hey, go run five miles or, you know, go row or go do this short burst of high intensity, you know, those kind of labels or whatever kind of stuff. Like, sure, we create, you know, uh, environment that's happening in the background, but really like, you know, we talked about this play thing, right? So it's like, how do we get the heart rate up a little bit? You know, how do we kind of like get this, you know, this other, other attribute that we don't kind of readily talk about and stuff like that? That's also happening at the time. You know, we, for, as an example, you know, kind of, we, we highly advocate that people kind of, you know, go do long, slow, steady type of walks, you know, kind of multiple times a week, you know, it's still aerobic work. Right. And effectively, you. you know, <laughs> I know that's why I whispered it and I even did this <laughs> secret hand gesture. <laughs> yeah. That's it. It's a little bit like the salad, right? Like, you know, I don't want to be friends with salad, but God damn, you know, micronutrients, I need them, you know? <laughs> Well, I mean, you know, to, um, for anyone who's listening, who maybe doesn't understand the relationship, there's huge, a huge amount of cardiovascular benefit to strength training, right? And, and mm -hmm. play, it's like play a game of knee taps or play some handball, like that, that you can't get strong without developing your cardiovascular health at the same time. However, Correct. you can develop your cardiovascular health and still be a fucking weakling forever. Correct. And so you know, like choose one that's a kind of higher order. Yeah. Correct. You know, and again, I don't want to, you know, um, say that cardiovascular fitness is not important. And I'll go as far as saying, and I want to just, you know, uh, of course, you know, we're creating, you know, the stimulus of that, that aerobic, if you like, right, by doing strength training and things like that. However, the stimulus that comes from doing aerobic work, there is second to none. Like that is the best way, right? This is why we still advocate, you know, kind of walking and, and things like that, right? Um, and as you said it there, you know, like having a good aerobic base, guess what? It's going to help you recover a lot better. You can, you know, you, you need less rest. You know, your body's going to heal and, you know, essentially 
adapt a lot quicker, a lot better kind of thing. But again, if you go too hard, you know, kind of, it's like, it's another competing demand. Like, you know, are you doing cardiovascular or a strength now? You know, so again, this is why you have to make the right choices and things like that. You know, um, from a programming perspective, then this becomes like, okay, what time of the year, what's happening to the rest of the program? And that's where we get to kind of, you know, bring different elements in. Um, but yeah, long story short, you know, kind of, uh, we always advocate more the, the strength route to create the aerobic, you know, or anaerobic stimulus, if you like, uh, as opposed to the traditional, you know, kind of, uh, let's go, you know, all right, 20 minutes, go run, you know, kind of thing. <laughs> hey, I wanted to ask you, Vic, um, who, who are like, uh, well, just basically your, your influences, like, and, and the people that um, you look towards to draw inspiration from. Um, and also maybe the people that you, you've learned from in the past. Um, yeah, who, who are those, you know, so two or three or, or whatever it is? Uh, you me, really well. It's uh, really, really hard because, you know, I, I'm inspired by pretty much everything around me, you know, like in anything. And, you know, big shout outs to you, you know, the, you know, Joey and, and Paul. And I remember, Paul, you weren't there at the time because I think you were still working, you know, in your real job, you know, kind of. But uh, when I first came into uh, the first uh, JB uh, outpost, you know, kind of, uh, I think it was your baby outpost, you know, by the comparison of how you've scaled and stuff like that, you know, I was still working outdoors, you know, like all I knew was just outdoor. And and one of the sole purpose of me coming there was I was, you know, kind of, uh, I wanted to know how you guys did it, you know, like, and I wanted to see how could you, you know, effectively, you know, you were carving your own path as you continue to do so now as well. You know, so I was drawn and inspired by yourselves, right? Your ability to create community, you know, this kind of this attribute that I'd never kind of really belonged to, you know, in most of my, you know, kind of uh, PT days, right? Because I was sold one-on-one, right? But the sheer power, you know, kind of, and uh, the amazing thing that comes out of a community, right? The tribe, like, again, that doesn't happen by accident. <laughs> you know what I mean? Kind of like, and, and so I was drawn to that. So you guys were a huge inspiration, you know? Um, as far as like, kind of like, let's say, uh, coaching and things like that, again, same thing, you know, there are, there are the greats before, you know, us, our time, you know, kind of that, I still continue to kind of, you know, read on and things like that, right? The, the Polyquins or whatever. There's the, there's the Muck Daddy, obviously, you know, Patel, you know, kind of like, you know, um, even, you know, uh, Paul Check, all this kind of stuff, right? Who are, who are the greats, right? The great minds, essentially, who, you know, uh, in their Paul own Chick's way. Paul a good one. He doesn't get a lot of, a lot of mention these nah. days, but he's, yeah, he's an incredible thinker. Effectively, the way, you know, like, I mean, this is just before, you know, I guess I say before my time, but, you know, kind of, you know, because I've only been in the game for about a decade, or just over a decade, but, you know, two decades ago, three decades ago, it was essentially two camps, right? Polyquin or Paul Chick. You know, both were, you know, with their own rights, holistic. Both were cutting edge and both, you know, had literature. You know, it was just was like, can you stand him or can you stand him, <laughs> right? Um, you know, and then obviously in our era, it was like, oh, there's Mr. Portal and there's, you know, all that kind of stuff, right? And then branching off. Um, so there were those kind of greats, essentially, but uh, really... In all honesty, I think over the last, you know, probably four or five years, I think all the other leaders, you know, who I stand, you know, uh, in line with essentially, like, you know, including yourself and stuff, I'm just drawn and inspired by all those people, you know, kind of how you're doing things, you know, kind of, and, and the ideas that you're experimenting with, whether it be your own physical practice or the way, you know, you guys are leading. Obviously, you know, I say this because, you know, effectively I run a business, right? So, you know, like you have to have that in back of your head as well, because no longer are you just looking to personally develop yourself, but you're also professionally looking to develop yourself, right? So, you know, kind of I'm inspired and drawn to, you know, other leaders who are in the same boat, you know, kind of, uh, 
And uh, yeah, does that sort of answer your question? Uh, that wasn't very many names, but... Um, no, no, no. No, that's cool. What, like, um, I guess because I see, you know, you, you put out like awesome stuff and um, I see that uh, it seems that you have really cool processes uh, around your training and it sounds like that's how it, your processes bleed through into the group training and what you do at the gym. And, um, you know, I wondered like how you develop those processes. Like, have you done, have you, have you studied under anyone specifically before or have you gone into a lot of courses and you really just gone deep in taking that little bit of knowledge, practicing it yourself and then, you know, figuring out what it is that you think is most effective and you put all your own ideas together. Um, cool. yeah, I was, and that's kind of why I, why I was asking before was like, how did Vic get to where he is? Like, did he make it? Yeah. Where did you come get your bits of information from? And then, yeah, did you very much, well, like everyone, you, you kind of make it your own at some point. Cool. So I guess I'll kind of take you right back to like at the start of the decade when I came out of PT school, you know, I said I was lucky enough to be mentored by uh, a guy, you know, kind of and, and worked at a private studio, which is a big deal, you know, for me. And, you know, I say mentored very lightly, you know, kind of, I learned what not to do. Right. And like not how to do things, basically, you know, kind of, of being in the business for four, four and a half years. Uh, you know, I loved what I did, you know, kind of, uh, or, you know, what I do. Uh, but there was a certain way that, you know, I was just like, nah, this is not how I want to do things. And this is why, you know, I said uh, being drawn to you guys in terms of carving your own path. You know, I I'm, I'm passionate about obviously helping people. I'm passionate about developing myself. I'm very passionate, you know, and dedicated to improving myself, you know, through physical in you know, realm. And one thing that I early learned on just before starting AIM, before the physical space, was that um, I, I mean, I tried really hard. I tried really, really hard to ask questions, trying to reach out, and and, and I guess kind of. Uh, find out, you know, kind of how is it that, you know, or what is the blueprint, right? You know, kind of, and the more I went into it, I was like, just, this is like, fuck, give me movement training any day. I'd rather train six hours a day than take this shit on. You know, kind of, it was like, and what I realized was, I was like, hang on, you just have to go with the flow, right? You know, kind of, it's like, you, it, this is going to be an evolution, you know, kind of, and just like the JB is like your baby, you know, it keeps growing. It's, it's a different iteration, right? You know, you're not, you're not happy with what you have right now. So same thing, you know, I have learned a bunch of stuff over the years and I continue to do so. That will never stop. You know, my thirst to learn is never going to stop. However, you know, kind of, it's more important for us to be able to take what we've learned and obviously be able to implement it in our own way. And that's what carving the path is, right? It's not a copy and paste. It's like, oh, that resonates. This is going to work. And again, experimenting, going with it, obviously having a tribe that, you know, kind of you love and care for who will allow you to do that, you know? Mm -hmm. So, you know, we say the AIM method. The AIM method is always, you know, be adaptable, right? You know, kind of it's underlying principles. The whys will never be changing anytime, right? But the, the how and the what, guess what? Like, we're, we're happy to play with that. You know, that could look slightly different and feel slightly different. Um, and that's exactly, you know, kind of our approach. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Cool. What do you, um, I want to ask what you think is, you know, working on the rings, doing handstands, getting into a bit of movement stuff, like we're talking about, like, you know, the, the, the kind of improvisational stuff that you like to do. Um, I think it's fair to say, because we all sort of work in this realm that when you get someone come who comes in off the street and they're like, Oh, I've been watching that stuff and I want to do it. 
often the the biggest restriction for them is mobility, right? It's like, okay, cool. Yeah, you're pretty strong and whatever. And you got the desire, but your body's just a bit locked up from all those years of, you know, whatever, sitting at a desk or bodybuilding or something. Um, what do you, what do you, what, what sort of advice could you give to someone who is, who's looking at that stuff and looking at your, looking at what you're doing and like, I want to start doing a bit of that. And I'm into, I'm into, yeah, I like it. Supple, savage, sounds good. Uh, I could go down that path. How can someone start to incorporate a little bit more of that, the, those, uh, those other aspects, mobility and movement and play into what they're doing? Oh, that's a hard one, right? I mean, you just put me right in there. I mean, what I generally tell people, it's, you know, simple is never sexy. Simple is never easy, right? And that's where we have to start, you know, kind of, uh, this is why I talked about the process, the underlying principles, you know, they're pretty straightforward, you know, and it's a really good question because the way that we navigate these waters whereby, you know, somebody who comes in who is really adamant and really clear, quote unquote, out in there where they want to be, um, you know, the way we navigate that is by, that's cool. Uh, let's take you through this process, right? Which is effectively taking you through multiple different underlying principles, right? Uh, no flexibility. Well, that would be shown, let's say things like hanging, shoulder stability is not quite there. Guess what? Exposing you on the rings is, is not going to be the safest thing right now. You know, kind of uh, single leg work. How do you breathe? So, so we give them different, uh, different focus, if you like. Right. So it's like, you know, they've come in with this end goal in mind, which is cool. And like, we can definitely kind of go there, but if that's the end in mind, let's start where we are right now. And that's what we have to figure out. Right. So we take them on this journey, essentially. Um, so that's how we normally tend to kind of navigate those waters. Right. So, you know, whether it be strong, swell, savage, whatever you want to call it kind of thing. Uh, it's okay. Do you understand? Are you aware of your own body right now? Most importantly, are you in control of your body? Then, Okay, if those are a big two ticks, then we can just give you the right stress, right? And effectively, we have to create the right environment to basically uh, adapt in all those areas. But the reality is, as you said, you know, most people uh, soon find out when they start the process, it's like, oh, okay, that's the roadblock, right? <laughs> and obviously, it's our, it's our job, it's our responsibility to make the not so glamorous, glamorous, you know, and again, that can happen through the, the personalized work, but then also the group work, right? And that's why they're so powerful, those modalities, you know, when you what got about, people- in well, What about for someone who's not at your gym? Someone who's listening now, like, oh, uh, I'm inspired. I would say go uh, reach out to JBs because they have an amazing online way. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, that's a hard one, you know, kind of, um, and this is a, it's a hard one in the sense that like, it's across, you know, it's across a uh, path that, I've come many, many times, you know, kind of on and it's just something that to me, the two ways that we want to be able to help as aim essentially is obviously our tribe who we see face to face and within these four walls. And the other way we want to impact the world uh, is through arming coaches. So, you know, kind of coaching coaches in order to, for them to kind of go and do this stuff and be able to better help, you know, other people. Um, and the reason I say that is because, uh, if everything is important, then nothing is important, right? You know, kind of, and, you know, what we do, what we've been able to kind of do within these four walls is because of our tribe, you know, running the experiments, you know, running and finding our own, you know, path and, you know, being able to modify, you know, kind of experiments and, and build and stuff like that. And that's a continuous journey. It will never stop. That's our main priority. Uh, helping other people outside, uh, you know, the four walls of AIM, the gen pop, if you like, you know, for lack of a better word, as you can see from our conversation, there's so much that goes into it. 
right? And rather than kind of giving like a blanket approach, because that will effectively be really just training, right? So the amount of times people will reach out and say, hey, can you do a training program for me? Can you do this, this, and that? And, then, and I'm like, hey, nice, nice. For, thanks for reaching out, bro. Uh, unfortunately, uh, we don't write programs, you know, kind of, uh, you know, because I'm not interested in just training people. I'm interested in more coaching. I'm, I'm more interested in forming relationships and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, and I do see the importance of being able to share what we do within these four walls. Um, but I want to do that through, you know, arming other leaders, you know, kind of, and being able to help them carve their own path, you know, kind of make own decisions, take ownership and, you know, uh, lead themselves and those they choose to serve uh, powerfully. Uh, so that's how, you know, kind of, does that answer your question? Um, actually not entirely. No, I want to, okay. I'm looking more for, um, like advice to, to, to a young person who's, you know, pushing weights and they're like, Hey man, I'm, I, I want to get into this thing. You know, how can someone who's in that place, maybe a little bit starved for knowledge, um, how can they start to incorporate? And I guess I'm thinking like more along the lines of like the, the technical aspects of it, like say, you know, something that I, that I think with your training is like, um, well, Hey, how about this? You, you're doing your sets, you're doing your deads and whatever. Why don't you get some mobility in, in during your rest periods? So, you know, that kind of thing. Cool. Cause cool, I cool. guess I, okay. I guess I see like, you know, going back to what I, what I see is really cool about what you do is you have, you know, you have these broader concepts that you apply to the training, but it's also like I'm doing deadlifts because they're making me real strong. And then I'm stretching my shoulders here. It's going to make me, better shoulder health and enable me to do a back bridge. Like it's also quite simple, right? That's the yeah. beauty of it. Cool. So, I mean, this is a very, very general approach, I guess, right? It's kind of uh, what I will start by saying is being really clear on like what the priority is, you know, kind of, so, you know, if it's strong, well, do things that are going to make you strong. Right. And obviously then kind of, you know, okay, well, how do I become supple? Well, where is there some space and time where I can dedicate to become becoming a little more supple, right? So as you said, as an example, you know, if I'm squatting, you know, kind of obviously that's my lower body, my upper body's obviously in play as well, okay? Kind of, uh, but I could probably, you know, uh, get, a, get away with stretching my upper body, things like that, right? So, you know, being able to implement the strength and um, the flexibility work, that's cool. I guess the art is in obviously making sure you choose the right things, right? Because there's nothing worse than doing front squats and then basically stretching your you know, shoulders out because you're going to have nothing in the tank to, you know, hold that bar up, right? Same thing with deadlifts. You know, you gave the example, you know, kind of, uh, of doing deadlifts than back bends, you know, I would definitely not recommend that to anybody, <laughs> you know, kind of like, you know, uh, however, being smart around the way we program things is uh, effectively the way you prep for the session ahead. So whatever your priority is, so get clear on what your priority is. And the way you lead into that priority is by making sure you're looking after the whole body, right? So uh, to become a little more supple. So as an example, let's say deadlifts, uh, we would actually, you know, do things like hinge walks and prime the hamstring as we would know, right? It makes sense to kind of warm the hamstrings up. Now, traditionally in strength work, you know, let's say deadlifting as an example, it's like my warm-up sit is like 60 kilos and I just get, you know, warm up and then get to my working sit kind of thing, right? Um, you know, and if I'm really good, I may do some booty band, you know, kind of crab walks and things like that just to prime my hips kind of thing. But I'm talking prep, right? So it's like, okay, cool. Like that's the priority. Like what, the, what is the rest of the body doing? So what are the things that you can do consistently and frequently? That isn't as high of a high intensity. That is not going to take away from your strength work because you can uphold that most of the time. 
you know? So we have these bunch of stuff that we like to kind of do. We call it like, you know, the, the foundational movements, if you like, uh, which are designed in a way that isn't really high intensity, right? But will contribute over time massively in your ability, not just to be flexible, but also, you know, stable in certain places. Things like, you know, hanging, right? You're doing a deadlift session, hey, bro, just like hang. Grip strength, it's going to open your shoulders up, decompress the spine, whatever you want to call it, right? And, you know, maybe just don't do passive hang. Maybe actually kind of do a couple of variations. Maybe do active passive hangs. You know, maybe do a couple of arch pulls or scap pulls because you're activating your lats. Guess what? Breaking the bar, that's what you need, right? But if you think about it, focus, you're extending your thoracic, you know? So we can get nitty gritty like this, you know? So the way we prep our body is actually how we get more supple. And then the strength work complements and does what it needs to do. Then if you have time and space, then you can come back to again. Okay. Like I've done my strength bit. I have a little bit of time and space. So I have the energy. Okay. Now I can go into a little bit more different flexibility protocols, you know, which is going to help me uh, develop in slightly different ways. Does that kind of make sense? Right? So yeah, that's a does. deadlift example. You know, uh, if I was to give another example, uh, where should we go? You know, let's say upper body strength session. You know, you guys like the ring work. Uh, you know, let's say it's a bent, <laughs> you know, the bent out, the bent out strength session, you know, that everybody loves, you know, the push pull, whatever kind of stuff. We will normally kind of just do all our prep work in straight arm. All right. So kind of, it's like, you know, prepare the, you know, obviously we need bent arm strength for anybody who doesn't know anything that just involves bending the elbows. Right. So your normal push and pull type of work, you know, think, you know, push ups, dips, you know, rows and chin ups or whatever kind of thing. But then we actually do prep work using straight arm, which is basically not bending your elbows. Right. So again, you know, things like your scat push, you know, scat pulls or, you know, simple support holds and activation work, whatever kind of stuff. So you're getting those dosages in. Right. And obviously at the end of the session, then you can actually just stick onto the upper body thing. Right. You can do things like German hang. So you don't actually have to add more intensity. You know, you can just hang, you know, you can do skin the cat if you have the energy. Right. Again, depending on your personal context. And that is just upper body. But you could then go into lower body, right? Which is, again, a whole different style, you know, uh, depending on what your strength session looks like, you know, is it more of a build? Is it more of a skill? Is it more of a, you know, bit of both, right? That will dictate how much time and space you have, you know, kind of in between your sets. So again, we can utilize those times smartly to then open up different areas. Um, and also just choosing strength, you know, exercises as your main work that is going to promote you know, different points of flexion, right? The shortened state, the lengthened state and things like that. So an example would be, you know, on my squat days, my heavy squat days, guess what? I will opt in to do things like good mornings and uh, RDLs or any, anything, even Nordics to a certain degree. A, because I'm going to get swole, right? But B, you know, kind of like I'm hitting hamstrings in the lengthened state, right? So, you know, me to touch my hand on the ground, like that's never a problem. Right. You know, of course, I can then focus on Jefferson curl in my upper body days, same sort of similar effects, but a slightly different context. So there are so many different ways we can implement this, you know, like and again, it comes down to being clear on what the priority is and then starting to sprinkle, you know, kind of what you need, you know, kind of uh, uh, to support, you know, other areas as well. Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. I like that. I like the, um, the, the sprinkling idea, you know, getting getting a little bit in, getting it across. And I think um, yeah, it's, it's still keeping the things that are most important to you as the main things, but it's just getting in a little bit of the things that, that maybe you haven't done that, you know, you do need, which is really what's holding everyone back. Right. It's like the stuff they need is usually the stuff they're not doing. So it's like, mm. oh, I will get a bit of that in. Um, and 
I, and I like it. Yeah. There's a kind of an experimental aspect to it, right? Like I think you, I've done it myself where you're like, whatever, to use your example, you do the front squat and then you go do some shoulder stretching and then it fucks you, fucks you up for the next set of, so like, you know, I think it's, if you're training, you're like, hang on, that's not a good coupling. And that's where you start to figure it out for yourself. Yeah, for sure. Like my, one of my favorite couplings, again, it doesn't have to be just flexibility, flexibility. It could be strength and strength, right? So one of my face, my favorite coupling, uh, you know, talking about strength work in particular and movement and, you know, let's say barbell is deadlifts and handstands. They're completely opposite, you know, kind of like you're breaking the bar, your lats are engaged. You know, deadlift can be seen as a pull movement, right? Depending on how you look at it, right? Uh, guess what? Handstands, it's isometric. So there's no bending the elbows, or whatever. It is neural, but guess what? your nervous system dictates anything, right? Or everything, right? So it's like, we can actually use that as a conditioning piece, as a strength piece as well. And because of the deadlifts, you know, kind of people are just, people recruit their body so much better. So they're just so much aware of their bodies too. They can translate so much more um, as opposed to, you know, doing sets of just chest of walls and just being cooked and cooked and cooked. And then I, in the last set, you're like, I think I got it. And then trembling and then falling down the wall, you know, kind of, uh, so you can, again, be smart with how you do things and, and being really clear on, like, as I said, what, what the project is or what your, your main thing is, um, you know, because in using that, you know, deadlift and, um, handstand as an example, you know, they're effectively two strength works back to back. The underlying thing there is, you know, okay, it's a push and pull. The another underlying factor there is it's nervous system, it's isometric work. You know, we do touch and go deadlifts, you know, kind of tempo. So that's, you know, not bouncing, not kind of reset and stuff go. That's like hold on to the fucking barbell for 30 seconds or whatever it is practically. And there's like chest of wall for time, right? Now, when you come fresh into the day where you want to do some handstand push-up work or handstand, you know, balance work or whatever, you know, if you recovered your bandwidth, your nervous system, you have the strength, your nervous system is, you know, kind of like it's been conditioned or, you know, it's good to go kind of thing. Guess what? You can focus better on the skill type of work, right? So you can then sprinkle those kind of things in. Um, so yeah, like, it, again, it depends, you know, what your priority is. The only thing that I would probably say, uh, and, and I'll say this to everybody, no matter who, it's like, you know, trying to chase fucking five different rabbits at the same time. As I said, if, if everything's important then nothing is important, you know, be really clear on what the main thing is and then, uh, you know, make that the main thing, the main thing. Um, and this is why I use the terminology projects because you can have that main thing for six weeks. That's cool. And then, you know, you can use that as a sprinkler for the next thing. So it doesn't, you're not married to this shit, you know, like you're just, Hey, let's date, you know? Yeah. I'm vibing. Yeah, I'm good. And then you're like, fuck, just, fuck off you know but obviously you want it <laughs> so like you know you will you know, you're not gonna marry it you just take it to the next thing man i love it i think um i think that's a good place for us to wrap it up there i think there's a um there are, there's a huge amount of value there for anyone that's kind of getting started with the strength move thing or even in it and trying to make sense of all the different modalities you can chase i really like that point you make about keeping the main thing the main thing um it's nothing's forever right it's like make this thing a project chase this thing for a while put the other shit on maintenance. And then once you get that, then you can let it go for a little bit and chase that thing. But it's just a, it's like a, a simplification of a process that I think for a lot of people and we've been in ourselves can get really confusing and murky because you do want it all right. It's, mm. You want to chase all it, the shiny objects. For sure. Like keep it simple, you know, kind of like uh, simple thinking. That's the, that's what we kind of tell all our coaches, you know, kind of like if it's, it's complicated and complex way of looking at things, like guess what, that's what it's exactly going to be, right? It's going to just keep getting harder and harder. Um, and again, we can keep getting lost, you know, kind of in the, 
dips of like this fucking downward spiral that is, you know, this whole different modalities and training styles and all this kind of stuff. But keep the, you know, keep things simple because you can amplify simple, you know, kind of this is why we talk about this, you know, kind of uh, what's the process, what's the underlying thing, make that the main thing, get ridiculously good at that. And can you carry it over? And you can just repeat that process time after time. Vic, where can people get in touch with you and follow you on Instagram and all that stuff? Drop some uh, just Vic underscore Hawksy, I think it is on Instagram and, uh, you know, info at anatomymotion.com.au, you know, kind of uh, just say, flick us in the email. That's cool. What's the, um, has the gym got its own Instagram account? Uh, no, it doesn't. It's funny, huh? Like kind of, no, it doesn't. So the other place, you know, if, if you're a coach, you know, aim Academy, that's, uh, that's our handle. So we help coaches, you know, kind of, and we run coaches development program. And, uh, you know, so if you're a coach, you know, who's looking to get into this style of training, strength and movement, as we call it, uh, you know, we effectively kind of teach people from the ground up, you know, in our method. So these underlying principles we spoke about, you know, how do we kind of, you know, what movements do we use in the different contexts and things like that. So we do actually do coaching as opposed to programming. Uh, so, you know, if you're a coach, you can get involved with that. Um, so, yeah. A true savage, bro. <laughs> Very true savage. It takes Everyone. one to know one. Oh. <laughs> real recognize, real. <laughs> I pretty much drop that call every day. But um, no, it's, uh, mate, you, the stuff you're doing is fucking cool. We look at it and when T was at the gym with, you know, like T's not on the call. T was, he's fucking, he's gone to meet counsel at his new gym space. <laughs> but um, it's always like, fuck, did you see what Vic's doing, man? Jesus. Gee, how's he do that? Oh, guy's so strong. So it's, you know, it, uh, it you, your reach, makes it all the way to the other side of the bridge down to botany i just want you to know that oh hell yeah amazing the dark side i'm i'm, I'm, I'm glad I'm, I'm over to the dark side that's cool yeah uh, <laughs> I, I know t's on the call i just want to give him a shout out to kind of uh, i reached out to him early in the week and he kindly kind of you know he was like yeah man reach out you know he made some time for me so as i said you know kind of boys thank you you know kind of uh you guys are, as i said you know you've been a huge inspiration for myself and you know what aim is and uh thank you for having me on today mate Absolute pleasure. And thank you. We're, we're, we're honored that, you know, whatever, we could provide some inspiration there. That's a, it's a, it's a true honor of ours. Absolutely. Uh, there's quite a few people out there that um, you're, the, you're their man crush. Um, and I'd like to let you know because uh, someone starting with D and ending with Ilan <laughs> was like, oh, Nick's on today. Man crush. <laughs> Get my gasoline. The love, the love does make it well and truly down here. Uh, <laughs> Cool. All right, my bro. Thank you so much. Um, guys, for anyone listening, Vic dropped his handles there. If you want to get in touch, even just look at what he's doing, jump on his Instagram account. It's super inspiring. Um, he's got the coach's course. Check out AIM Academy. Uh, and obviously, if you need anything from us, junglebrothers.com. We'll hook you up, look after you, whatever you need, strength, movement, coaching, that sort of thing. Um, thank you for listening. If you liked the episode, please share it with a friend, young coaches, young up-and-comers in the fitness industry would probably love to hear that discussion. So um, please help support the show. Thank you for listening. We'll see you all next week. Paul and Vic, I will see you guys next time. Peace. Thanks.